Kristen Andre joins the show today to talk about her career as a personal coach, motivational speaker, author, and fellow podcaster. She founded the Andre Group, which helps corporate executives and financial professionals grow in their professions and personal lives. Kristen has a ton of great insight about the financial space, and I'm excited to have her on the show. I'm Paul Blanco, and this is Small Steps, Big Wins. Kristen, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you here today. And it was so nice to catch up for a few minutes before the show and learn a little bit more about your background that I didn't know. But I'm going to kind of jump right in. So I know that you were at one point in the financial advisory business, but you made a huge paradigm shift close to 15 years ago. What made you decide to take some of the skills you learned in your previous career and put it into professional coaching? You know, I love the industry. That's what was so cool about it. Like I, I loved every ounce of being an advisor, but what started happening for me is I was more excited when my advisors hit their goals than I was when I hit mine. So I was building a successful practice, a successful office, but there was just more to be done. And I remember having a conversation with a coach I was working with at the time. And he was like, you've got such a potential to have a greater impact on the industry outside of this office. So it was really just to have greater significance and make more of a, a dent on where I really felt the industry needed to go. Well, it's really awesome. And and when you think about where you were to where you are now, like the world has changed dramatically. So give me a little bit of color on what you're doing in the coaching business now and how you approach it. The world's changed a ton. I mean, not just the financial industry, but the world as a whole. And one of the things I've, I've started to realize is all the, the ways we were taught when I came in the industry, you came in the industry, they're still teaching them that same way. And they're not working and no one's doing anything different. So my whole goal in coaching is be different. Teach in a way that clients and prospects want to receive an advisor. You know, I think we've all got the advisors a scary word for a lot of people in the public. And I think we did it to ourselves. So my whole premise in coaching is figuring out what makes an advisor unique and how they're different and just approach people as people and not somebody who's looking to buy something or, or invest somewhere. Well, you, uh, you have a great word that you use called the uniqueifier. So is that like, do you just hone in with the advisor to find out what, what's makes them a, their uniqueifier? Is that kind of, or is it, or yeah. how do you use that? It can't, I totally made it up. It's my, it's my made up word, but <laughs> I like it. So it, you know, where it came about was I just started seeing when I started coaching, when I stepped down from my firm and started coaching, everybody seemed the same. And I really found this out when I started working with advisors all over the industry, all different companies. And I'm sitting here going, y'all are all saying the same things. Your website says the same thing. Your language says the same thing. So to the consumer, the end client, you know, your ideal prospect, they don't know what you do. They don't know how you're different. So I really try to hone in on people with what makes you different. And it's rarely yeah, you hate to say this in the industry because I get a lot of pushback, but it's not usually the products and services. It's the advisor. It's something about them or their market or their knowledge or how they show up that the clients really gravitate to. So if we can pull out that unique fire, it makes it 
a heck of a lot easier to identify their target market, to really get them better at prospecting and engaging. And it, and it makes it more fun. Yeah, I agree with you that um, that 1980 playbook is still out there. And yeah, they're selling a lot of copies of that, too. It's bad. It is. And, and, it, and it's kind of scary because I do think that in this industry, you know, in the financial advisor industry, that a lot of advisors come in and they follow that playbook and very few make it because of that. And I think the industry and I'm glad you're on this journey and I'm so glad to be able to help. So as you're listening here, don't use the 80 playbook. You know, yeah. you got to change that up and reach out to someone like Kristen if you're struggling with that. But when you're coaching now, are you are you really honing in? Like, is each person that very different? And are you taking the time to find each person's little niche and, and teach them a different way? You know, everyone is different and sometimes it's tiny tweaks and sometimes it's a big difference. Um, and it really depends on the advisor. I mean, we know in the early years, this is a tough industry. There's a lot of us out there. There's a lot of people trying to go after the same clients. In the early years, it's still a matter of really getting in front of people, learning your craft, letting them know what you do. But what I found is there's a languaging to it. Like we 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 learned the scripts or the red letter language or however we were taught and it doesn't land well with people and it doesn't sit well with the advisor saying it. So sometimes it's as simple with a new advisor as making a tiny little tweaks to the language, not the messaging, not what they're trying to get across, but just how they say it, how they show up. Um, I tend to be pretty casual. And so if I'm using super formal language or getting very detailed or very technical and analytical, it just didn't land with my particular client. So I needed to just be more myself. So it's really just teaching them how to do that, how to be themselves. And when they when they get a little more niche and a little more advanced, then we get really into different ways to prospect because we all learned the who do you know prospecting. You know, it's asking somebody for a referral and that's fine. And it works for a lot of people, but it gets old and you have to recreate the wheel every year. So once people are established and they have their, their sea legs, I like to really get creative with them, whether it's podcasting or, you know, writing or speaking or something like that to really show off their gifts. I think that's awesome. And, you know, when you said be yourself, I think that, um, one of the things I try to teach and one of the things I followed my whole career is being my authentic self. And I think that as my advisor days, but, you know, I've been in leadership now 30 plus years. And I find that when I show up and I'm who I am, you don't have to fake that. And I think too many people in our industry try to hide behind some of the language or the letters and that's not, that doesn't really work. So I'm glad you said that. When the clients see through it, don't you think? I mean, I feel like I agree. clients and prospects, especially the high end. I mean, if you're serving the affluent market, they want real people that are going to tell them like it is, not somebody that's trying to sell them. So it's the more genuine and real you can be, the more upmarket you're going to go. Yeah. So, you know, I was, when I, when I took this role, to uh, be a CEO of a firm, I was super scared. And I was super scared because as an advisor, I loved working with the end user. And I always believe that, you know, for me, it's always about impacting lives. And I was, I was like, oh my God, I'm not going to be able to impact the lives the same way. But then what I realized was I get to impact the lives of the advisors and then they go and carry that message on. So you kind of now have this voice 
in a huge industry. And so where do you grab that passion from to help advisors, to help the end user? And and what's really important to you when you think about that? Because you went through those roles. I did. And it, you know, and I loved each of the roles, but I, I feel like each of us have a gift and some of us know what it is and some of us don't. And just once we can get in the things we're doing, the things we're really good at, it gets to be fun. And I feel like so many advisors just aren't having fun. They're recreating things. They're, you know, just it gets monotonous. And if you're really honing in on the market you're meant to serve, the people you connect with, the ones you enjoy being around, then this gets easy. And where I feel like for most advisors, they overcomplicate it. Like when I start with a very simple question with, you know, more established advisors, if I'm a private client, I'm looking at them and I'm like, take out your schedule. Tell me who you're invited, excited to see this week and tell me who you're dreading. And that usually gives me a good clue into what markets we need to build, where they're really, you know, showing up as themselves. Because, I mean, after we work with somebody a couple of years, they don't really have to prospect. People should be coming. We're making it way too hard. People should be coming to you for the advice because this industry isn't going away. I mean, people need advisors so much. And it's, but I think they're still scared about, I get calls all the time. Like I need an advisor. Who should I call? Well, the amount of money that's moving in motion from now to 2045 is something like in the 40, 50 trillion dollars. Isn't that insane? It's insane. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're right. The industry is shrinking and continuing to shrink. So that's one of one of my things is a give back is the Im- impact as many people as I can in the industry because clients need our help so tremendously. So and don't you think if we can be like advisors can be themselves and be genuine, then the clients aren't going to be as scared. Like we did we did a little bit of a disservice being too salesy. Like I do think they're this sounds so bad and I get pushed back every time I say it, but there are advisors and then there are salesmen. I agree people. And we haven't merged from a public perception. We have not merged that gap. You know, my goal in coaching people is let's merge that gap. If you're the salesman, let's connect you with somebody who's phenomenal at the advice piece. And let's, you know, figure out how to learn as you go and really leverage your, you know, your senior advisors to help, to help build the portfolios and build the insurance programs and all the things you're doing. I mean, it's a huge opportunity for people. It is. And and I think about when when both of us started in the industry, it was really about selling just life insurance. And now yeah. when you think of financial advice and financial planning and asset management, it's a different level of advisor. And you're right, it probably does have some stereotypes out there in, in the industry that uh, has affected that. A big question I have for you is, you're probably working with three or four different generations of advisors now in terms of you know, the boomers to the millennials to the X's and, you know, the Y's and maybe even some, some people that are in the silent generation, right? When I look around. My my extreme veterans. Yes, there you go. But there's all different generations. And I always, you know, I was a big fan growing up of Peter Drucker and Peter Drucker always said, you have to retire to something. And it's a great industry that you can continue to do it forever. But so you're probably working with four or five generations. Do you find that you have to change the way you're delivering your message to generations? And and how, if you do, how does that work? You know, it's really interesting. My 
oldest, my most extreme veteran out of my private clients um, is in his mid past mid 70. Um, no desire to retire has a wonderful book of business, great clients, um, very robust and credentialed staff. So there's really, no, and he's having fun with it. He's yeah. like, why, Chris, why would I retire? And I'm like, I don't know, because it, you're having a blast. He's, you know, there's no need for him to, he's very sharp and he could walk away tomorrow. But what's interesting, you know, to your question is he's more open than a lot of my people that are a little bit younger. So I, I used to think it was the generations, but I don't, I think it's the resiliency. I think it's the people that are like, Hey, the, the world's changing. The market's changing. My prospects are changing. I need to change with them. Um, he's always been like that since I've known him. And I think that's helped him. I uh, Likewise, I'll have people in their 30s or 20s that are just set in their ways. And those are the ones I think are going to struggle more. Like when you're in your first couple of years, you kind of got to do what you have to do. But after that, you've really got to be willing to to tweak a few things to get in front of the right people the right way. Yeah, we teach we teach that you have to be an entrepreneur when you first get here and don't try to reinvent the wheel. Yep. But then you got then you got to become a business owner and then an entrepreneur. And but you can't forget the entrepreneur part. Right. So oh, you're sure. right. And and people are so talking about that change or resilience. Um, you know, we had covid hit in March of 2020, yeah. which had a major change on it. So much bad came of it. But there was so much good. And when I look at Barnum, you know, we went from seeing about 15% of our clients virtually to seeing 90% of our clients virtual. We went from being a regional firm to a national firm overnight with our reach. Yeah. How has it changed? Number one, let's talk about you first. How has it changed your coaching practice? And then I want to talk about some of the advisors that you're coaching. So let's talk about you. Has yeah, it changed your practice? It did. And it really, you know, when COVID first hit, I, I do private coaching. I do speaking in workshops and I've launched a lot of online stuff, but I was doing a lot of private coaching, a lot of speaking. When COVID first hit, I was doing virtual speaking. I found out really quick. I don't like doing virtual speaking. <laughs> I like a crowd. I like an audience. I like to be on stage. So I started turning those down. And but what it forced me to do is most of my clients are virtual anyway, because they're all over the country. Yeah. Um, but what it forced me to do is create a lot more content. So I was able to launch a community. I was able to launch a, you know, we've got some webinars and courses and academies that are all online that allow me to access and reach people that I would not have reached. And I think COVID kind of propelled that forward where I probably would have launched some stuff like that eventually, but it really gave me time to, to, take a look at what was working with the top advisors that we coach and like, all right, let's, let's figure out how to teach this to everybody. Let's teach this to the first year guy who can't afford a coach or, you know, the five-year guy that's ready to level up. So it, it, it was fine. It was Yeah. Fun. And I, I, well, I, and, and in the beginning, I thought it was, um, it was a chance to catch up on some stuff. And then I found myself having to be way more intentional, right. Keeping yeah. in touch with people at the firm for those first 90 days was definitely a little different, but talk about. When you're up North too, I'm in the South. So we opened pretty quick down here. You did. In the North, that was harder. The advisors I think were different. I saw a, I don't know if you saw this with your advisors, um, but I saw a great divide with advisors and my top advisors crushed it during yeah. COVID. Like my top clients were massive increases in their business. 
things got easier. More clients were saying, yeah, I mean, they skyrocketed during COVID. Same. They were, you pull, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. They were very intentional in what they did. They were proactive in reaching out to clients and prospects. Um, and then the other end of the divide were, unfortunately, a lot of, a lot of newer advisors, but even some of the veterans where they, I mean, I'll call it out. They made excuses. No one wants to do this. People aren't sure. And it was just excuses. Like I would call them out on it because I'm like, well, someone's up down the streets, just 10x this business. So I don't know what you're doing, but I think it was an opportunity to see who's willing to show up and be intentional versus who was going to use it as an excuse. I agree. And so when you think about all the stuff you've created now, it's probably the last 36 months, it's probably changed your coaching in a lot of ways because you have a lot more scalability to what you've done. And yes, people always did it, but I bet you prior to COVID, you were probably doing phone calls versus Zooms. Am I I correct? Or what are you doing Zooms already? I was doing mostly phone calls and I still do a lot of phone calls. What's funny, a lot of my, um, (laughs) a lot of my top advisors have a little touch of ADD. So Zoom is a little touch for them and they're doing them all day with clients. So a lot of mine still via phone. Um, I'll jump on Zooms if people need them. But yeah, it's what it allowed me to do is create things for people that wouldn't be a market for me. My private client target market tends to be more established advisors. That's usually who's hiring coaching and really wanting to scale and grow their revenue but it allowed me to hit the middle market and the beginner market, which I love it. I never would have been able to do that in private coaching. Well, it's interesting too, with zoom right now, I kind of, after three years of zooming, you know, that's what the advisors call it around here. I've kind of said, I'll do a zoom if I need to, if a sharing documents or not, but if not, it always worked using the phone. So I'll use the phone. And, And for me, which was the funniest thing is, and, Think back to your managing director days. I worked no matter where I was right? my my whole career. So if I was on vacation, I would work, maybe not dial in and Zoom, but I worked. And now it became normal to do that. So I feel more normal now that I could work wherever I want and no one's going to say, oh, you're working while you're on vacation. But I think that gave us more reach and... I do feel some of the younger generation thought it would never end. And those newer advisors say I can move anywhere I want and then just rebuild. And it's not that simple unless you have a market. So have you seen that with some of the people you're coaching? Yeah. And you know what I've I've been calling it a lifestyle business. So, and the reason I say that is a lot of my, my people that I coach with newer veterans that when I start with somebody working with them privately, that's my question. I don't ask them about the business. I'm like, tell me what you want your life to look like. And they, you know, and what's interesting to me is I ask it strategically open-ended like that to see where they go first. Are they talking about business? Are they talking about finances? Are they talking about personal and family? And then the cool thing with the industry is we can build it around whatever they want it to look like. So it's such a tremendous opportunity for the people who are willing to put in the work and, you know, to be coachable in that. So I think the trend I'm seeing is, I think we'll see more of that travel. You know, if we, if like you guys built a nationwide firm, your advisors can go everywhere. Your clients are everywhere. So the top tier guys are hopping on a plane and saying, I'm going to go to LA to see, you know, these five clients that are out there and I'm going to, we're going to have a dinner and they're going to get to get, bring some of their friends, which is prospecting and they bring their family along so they can tack on a few days. So you can really build some tremendous 
lifestyle businesses. I love that. So, you know, when you, uh, you said it a few times, your ideal client is this upper advisor. But Mm -hmm. if I said to you, Kristen, like, build me an avatar advisor, give me the four or five skill sets that you would see that your top clients have that make them successful. Do you, what would they be? Um, I would say, uh, let's see the the top four. The first one is adaptability. Okay. And, and I would also say adaptability and coachability. Like they have to be open to change. They have to be open to taking input. Um, I weed out egos really quick. Um, yep. So if I'm, you know, somebody will call me and say, I was referred to you for coaching and I, I get on the call and I can tell in two seconds if they're going to be coachable or not. That's the biggest one. You know, like some of my guys, I kind of joke. I'm like, y'all are wind up dolls. I'm like, let's try this. And I shove them out there and they're like, okay. But, and that's great, right? So yeah. coaching and adaptability. Coaching good. and adaptability is one. Um, you have to genuinely care about your people. You don't have to care about everybody. I mean, my last book was called You're Not For Everyone. I'm big on like, keeping your bubble small, but you have to have a genuine love and concern for your market, for whoever it is you're serving. You can't fake that. People will see through it. The minute you get into your target market and you truly are showing up for them, that's when you get to stop prospecting because they will bring people to you. Um, So that's probably the biggest thing is, you know, truly the love. And then the third one is you have to have a quest for learning. Um, I'm very big on designations with my advisors and continued learning, whether it's soft skills or or things in the industry, but it's changing and evolving continually. So you've got to be up on whatever education or designations will best serve your market. So that's probably the three that I see. Great. And it's so funny because we're so similar. I call it lifelong learners here. And uh, we believe in, we try to get our advisors second year to have a designation. And we also believe that that takes the silent objection away, right? Because you never know on the other line that they're reading something that says, go with a CFP or a CLU or a CHFC. It's funny when you were thinking of the ego thing. I, uh, my dad passed away a long time ago, but he was like my best coach that I ever had. And he had a great saying for me as an athlete, he would say the, the minute you believe your own press clippings, it's over. And that was his way of saying, stay humble. Right. And I think you're right about that. And then the first one you said is another one that we took, uh, we stole a lot of Carol DeWick stuff on growth mindset, but you have to have a growth mindset to continue and and want to grow, right? Because then you won't want to learn or have a, or you won't be humble if you don't have a growth mindset. So I love that. So I also like what you said about the target market. And I think that obviously there's so many people in our society that we can reach now due to technology. But the way you just explain that is you have a market people that you like to be around. And then those are people that have friends that are just like them. So do you have a hard time getting advisors to narrow in on that? And I remember doing a target market class. I'm dating myself, but in the nineties, and I remember running with that and it really helped me a lot in the beginning of my career so, because you've talked about that a bunch of times today, give me a little more detail on that. You know, I, I love target markets. And the, the phrase I use a lot with my clients, my friends, our coaching community, everything is know your people, find your people, love them hard. I love That's, it. It is that simple. 
But here's, and I, I love target markets. Target markets and prospecting and client engagement are like my three favorite things, which I know is weird. Most advisors hate it. But here's where I think people go off the rails with target marketing. Um, frequently, when we start talking to an advisor about identifying their target market, they immediately go to what they think is a good target market. Oh, physicians, business owners, accountants, engineers, whatever it is, they, they go to the target market they've heard would be a good prospect. I approach it completely different. I do that calendar thing. Who do you have fun with? Who do you want to work with? And because then if they're really in that group, like I I never, when I, I won't say ever, but when I was still, when I still my practice, I cannot work with accountants or engineers. They ask too many questions, need too many yep. details. It was not my market. Me too. We, we'd be on the same page. We would oh have to someone come in and do the joint work for us. Exactly. I would bring joint work <laughs> in all day long. And it was, you know, but people do that because they think, okay, they're the good money. markets, right? The money was good. And so that's where they go wrong and they keep having to reinvent the wheel because they're not fully showing up. So when I say know your people, find your people, knowing them, the target marketing is where am I having fun? That also I can, you know, is a good viable market from a financial standpoint. But let's let's figure that. Let's figure out where they are, where are they showing up, what groups are they in. Like I had a meeting this morning, my coaching community, we do some local meetups in Atlanta and I'll pop in and coach them on some different things. And you know, there's an event that a bunch of us are going to tomorrow. And that was the conversation like, oh, so-and-so is going to be there and you need to meet this person. And when you genuinely like the people and you're surrounding yourself with people in that market, they will refer you. They will tee you up. They will make the introductions for you. So that's why I think, I mean, you don't have to overcomplicate that. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and, and I think that if they have a market that's viable, that they love, they're going to want to spend way more time there and do that. So when you think about the business, you've been watching this business now from, I feel like you have a a different view because you're up here and you're seeing the whole industry versus just being in the right in it. Right. Where do you see it going in the next five years? And what do you, is there things that you're thinking about right now as you continue to grow your practice for this? Yeah, I think it's changed so much. And, and, I think I mentioned you, my dad was an advisor for 52 years. My brother's Jeez. in the industry. So it, I've seen it since I was a child. I mean, I think, I won't say the year, but <laughs> my first life insurance policy was was bought in like, I think 71 or 72 was my <laughs> first one. And so I've been around it a while and I've seen it evolve. I feel like in the next five years, it is going to become heavy, heavy relationship focused. I think the public and and prospects are going to get away from relying on the advisor as much for they needed the advice, but they're doing their own homework. They are researching the advisors, the companies, the investments. So I think we're going to see a shift towards they truly want somebody that is a trusted advisor. And we use that term loosely a lot. um, But I think we've always as advisors define that. I think the public's going to start to define it. I think so, that's where we're going to see it. Go. We're on the same path. I'm using a different word, but I see the advisors becoming like a life coach. And For sure. Yeah. Really that's helping right. them to think about it. I heard a great one the other day. One of the advisors that I was working with said, uh, like my client said, they want to spend, you know, three months a year when they retire in Italy. Yep. So he said, all right, let's test it out now and do it for a month. And the client says, no, I want to do it when I, but he's, how do you know if you're going to really like it? Exactly. If you don't, which has zero to do with the market, your insurance, your yeah. investments, but it's someone that 
can really help them to, to deliver that. So I love it. Um, yeah, that's what we're here for as advisors is to help them recognize their goals there, you know, and I don't just talk financial goals. I always say personal, professional, financial, they all go together. And I think we will, your life coach word is perfect because we're going to see that it's going to be relationship based and they're going to come to you for everything. Well, it's interesting. I, uh, I propose getting, uh, for lack of a better word, a life coaching designation about eight or nine years ago around here. And not many people bought into it. And now I think I was probably a little ahead of the times. Now I bet you I could get more people to buy in because they're seeing where it goes. So um, on a personal note here, so you're coaching and, you know, I, I know I followed you for a long time and I know that you really push on being this complete person, not just this coach and not just showing up to help advisors. Is there anything you're doing in your life? Like everyone talks about like my routines and my behaviors. Is there anything you do that you help and then share it with the people you're coaching? Paul, I'm trying to raise good humans. That's right. I'm just waiting. Yeah, no, it's awesome. I, you know, I'm a single mom, three girls. So it's a lot of it has been around that, which is so beautiful about the coaching industry, the financial industry, and honestly, most industries we're in. It's just making it all fit together. And I feel like, you know, personally, you know, as a mom, especially of girls, I'm trying to help them forge their own path. They are totally different from one another. Like they could not be more different. So, you know, it goes to that uniqueifier. Like anybody, yeah. my kids get along great, but I mean, they are polar opposites from each other. So it's been fun to kind of help them cultivate their own gifts, um, really, really shine in the areas that make them unique, you know, pull out their unique fire. So I think that's really what it's been personally. And it's you, when you do that for other people and for your kids, it's harder to do it for yourself. You know, yes. it's, you kind of, you get to this age in, in life and the career, you're like, all right, what am I doing? I had a, a coach one time asked me that. It's like, what are you doing for you? I'm like, oh, I do martial arts and I do this. And they're like, that's your kids' activities that you just adopted. And it, so many times I think we don't pause enough to figure out, all right, what do I, what am I doing for me? So it, you know, that's kind of the stage right now is, you know, I love to travel, love to do stuff like that. And that's the next iteration. I'd pop over to Italy for three months in a heartbeat. I know I would too, but I think I'd probably get bored after, uh, you know, maybe um three weeks or four weeks, I'd probably get bored and want to do something else. But you know what? I'll try it one of these days. I don't yeah. know. Now that I could Zoom, I could maybe do it exactly. um, more frequently. I have a but, few advisors that do that. They'll take a month or two with their family. And um, some of mine, I have very strict instructions from the spouse as to the hours they're allowed to work and not. So we kind of have to build their, build their vacation around that, which is fine. So, so what's next for you in the career? What's yeah. next in the coaching business? In the coaching business, like I mentioned, my I've been really blessed with some awesome private clients. And I'm starting to realize if we are going to continue this industry on the path it needs to be on to best serve clients, to be unique, to stand out, we, we've got to really work with the younger advisors on how to best do that um, and how to be different. So, you know, like I mentioned, I've got a course that that is launching uh, in November. I have an academy that's launching next year. And both of those are launching in Q1. Both of those are geared towards the advisors that's not going to hire me as a private coach because it's cost prohibitive. But I really want to make sure we're equipping the next generation of advisors with what they need to do to best serve their clients and to grow their practice. Because at the end of the day, I want them growing their practice and making money and having fun. 
but they also have to be able to serve their markets too. So next for me is the course, the academy, and really helping our next gen get up and running. It's exciting. And I think that um, probably one of the biggest opportunities in our industry is, as we were talking earlier about the four or five generations in the business is hiring advisors directly to those teams. And when you think of coaching, if you can get advisors to go on teams and work with them jointly on how to service their enforce better or bringing new markets to a team that's looking for them, I think it's going to be very hard for a brand new young lady or young guy to come into the industry and survive without some of that mentoring and do that, you know? So last couple of ones, you know, you talked about your dad and your brother being in the business. You know, did you have any role models when you started in this industry? And, you know, are they still helping you or today? You know, they are. Um, I did. I had to my dad obviously was a role model. And the funny thing, when I came in the industry, because I we were with the same company, I didn't tell him I was interviewing until like my third interview because he had been around forever. He was a managing director and I knew who knew who, and I knew as soon as I told him, and I didn't tell the managing partner who my dad was, and I because I was married, so I had a different last name. And then as soon as I told him, then all the phone calls started. But I That's wanted so to make funny. sure I was coming in the industry for me, not that I was being recruited as someone's kid. So he was obviously a big mentor. He was a great joint work partner. Um, joint oh, that's work amazing. Your, joint work splits with your dad are very lucrative for you. <laughs> so, yes. Um, but he was a very good mentor. And honestly, his managing partner, not mine, but his managing partner, who's since retired, um, knew me since I was nine. So he was a mentor, wonderful, like very accomplished in the industry, had an insanely great career. But since he wasn't my managing partner, he was someone I could call and run things by. And when I had opportunities to take over an office, another one, he was kind of my objective advice. So he retired and moved out to to Montana and his love and life. But yeah, those two were probably my biggest. And then I had a few managing partners throughout my career that were just blessed. And it's, you know... It, the industry's changed a lot since we started. Oh, Just, big time, big time. So we're I, all buddies. We're the, we're the old old school ones now. But We are. So I have my oldest daughter is an advisor. She's been an advisor for three years. She's okay. just crushing it. She's on a top team and she's Thanks. doing amazing, getting credentialed and all that good stuff. I have a middle one that wants no part of the industry. She's in the fashion industry. And then I have a son that's graduating this year. That's going to ultimately come into the business. Oh, so, so you got two out of three. Two I out of zero, three. I have zero yeah. out of three right now. Well, There's we got to hope for the youngest one, but we'll, well see. Maybe we'll send them the end of this thing. So they talk, but, uh, exactly. but listen, I mean, it's amazing to, I, you know, I look at, you know, just paying it forward and, and being like impacting lives. And, you know, you made a really bold move when you decided to leave the industry and go into coaching and the impact you're making on this industry is amazing. And uh, I'm so glad we got a chance to catch up today. And if you guys are listening to this, you know, you got to look her up, Kristen. She's, she's just amazing. And, you know, not only is she speaking, podcasting and, and you know, what I like is the advice you're giving, you're, you're doing so. And I think that's the proofs in the pudding there. And uh, so thank you from the bottom of my heart, because when I look at the industry, we need more people that are passionate about helping advisors grow 
Because if we help advisors grow, then they make an impact on the end users who need us more than ever, because the world is way more complex than it was 20, 30 years ago. So thank you for all you're doing. And I appreciate that. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was great. I was glad we got to catch up. But you guys Same. are doing great things. I mean, it's the reach is insane. And it's so it's exciting to see. Well, thank you. Thank you, Kristen. And and listen, guys, if you're, uh, you know, if you don't, if you can't put it together here that what she did was she took small steps and is getting big wins. And and when I look at advisors and the impact, it's a little tweak. Like think about the target market one to me was a great example of that, where you said it's not the people that maybe have the money, but it's the people you like to be with and love and I think that's just a small little thing that you do that differentiates you. And, and then your Uniqueifier is an amazing, uh, amazing one too. So uh, thank you again, Kristen. And please guys go on, you know, go on Apple, go on Spotify, go on YouTube, share it, like it. And uh, I look forward to catching up with you soon again. Me too. Thanks for having me. You got it. Thank you for listening to Small Steps, Big Wins. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Every bit helps. You can also follow us on Instagram at Small Steps, Big Wins. All opinions expressed by the program participants are solely their current opinions and do not reflect the opinions their respective parent companies or affiliates or the companies with which the program participants are affiliated. Investments or strategies mentioned in this program may not be suitable for you, and you should make your own independent decision regarding them. This material does not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you. You should strongly consider seeking advice from your own investment advisor. Securities and investment advisory services offered through qualified registered representatives of MML Investor Services, LLC. Member SIPC, 6 Corporate Drive, Shelton, Connecticut, 06484, telephone number 203-513-6000.